You're listening to Rounding at Rush, a Rush University Medical Center podcast that features the latest clinical advances, research, and innovations. I'm your host, Dan Dean. Joining Rounding at Rush is today's guest, Dr. Rima Daffer, a professor of neurological sciences and a provider of stroke care at Rush University Medical Center. She is a stroke and headache expert, mainly studying the link between migraine and stroke. She has been a principal investigator on numerous clinical trials in acute stroke intervention and secondary stroke prevention. Dr. Daffer is also the director of the Comprehensive Outpatient Cerebrovascular Diseases Clinic at Rush and is the lead vascular neurologist in the Stroke Cardiology and Stroke Neurosurgery Subspecialty Clinics. Welcome to the show today, Dr. Daffer. Thank you so much uh, for the introduction. I'd like to begin our conversation today talking about the scope of services provided in the subspecialty clinics that I mentioned in the introduction, the stroke cardiology, the stroke neurosurgery, and then the stroke prevention clinic. Can you give us a brief overview of the scope of the services in these clinics? Yes. We're very excited to have uh, several initiative and uh, multidisciplinary clinic at Rush. All of these were launched within the past year. In fact, uh, despite the COVID pandemic, we continue to work and collaborate with colleagues from uh, different subspecialties on organizing these clinics and uh, launching them. We currently have several new outpatient uh, comprehensive clinical initiatives. These include the neurocardiac clinic, i.e. we have vascular neurologists who collaborate with structural cardiologists and electrophysiologists in a combined uh, clinic. The second clinic that is unique to our practice and to our institution is a combined neurovascular stroke clinic and a neurosurgery clinic where we have vascular neurologists as well as a neurosurgeon with uh, interest and specialty dealing with uh, vascular neurosurgical condition in the same clinic setting. And another clinic that was started not long ago is the Stroke Prevention Clinic. And we're very excited that uh, this clinic is attracting a lot of attention from patients in particular. That is because we are accommodating patients with uh, unique symptoms that could have been either missed or atypical uh, for stroke. The purpose of these clinics is to coordinate care across departmental lines, uh, as I mentioned, with cardiology colleagues or with neurosurgery colleagues to provide best service to our patients with vascular risk factors. So I'd be curious to know a little bit more about the reasons that you created these subspecialty clinics. What data or research or clinical experience were the impetus to open them? Yeah, thank you. So uh, you mentioned in the introduction that I have interest in uh, the association between migraine and stroke. In fact, my interest is predominantly in stroke in young adult. And uh, 
my interest uh, has expanded over the years because of our aging population to specifically look at the association between stroke and atrial fibrillation. Many disorders of the heart and brain cannot be viewed in isolation, as we know. Strokes can occur for several reasons, but many strokes occur because of an underlying cardiac disorder. We believe that one out of every stroke happens because of an abnormal cardiac issue. For example, atrial fibrillation is a major source of uh, cardioembolism, leading to ischemic stroke, uh, specifically in uh, the aging population in the elderly. While in younger patients, we have seen a significant uh, association between the presence of a patent foramen ovale and ischemic stroke. And patent foramen ovale right now is considered as an independent risk factor of stroke in young adults. So having, uh, having mentioned these two conditions, uh, obviously we can see the uh, importance of collaborating with cardiology colleagues to manage patients with atrial fibrillation who have had a stroke, especially those who cannot be anticoagulated uh, for several reasons. Or a stroke in young adult when we find or identify that the patent foramen ovale is the culprit. While for the neurovascular clinic, again, uh, it is no-brainer how important the presence of an interventional uh, ne neurosurgeon or radiologist or interventional neurologist is to the stroke team. We have seen uh, the, the changes in the landscape of managing stroke acute stroke right now is not only giving chemical thrombolysis, but rather uh, making sure that if we find a large vessel occlusion to open up the vessel, and this is with collaboration of these colleagues. But also we have seen several other conditions where uh, in particular rare condition, we call them in the stroke community, the one percenter, uncommon conditions where we have uh, vascular disorders that lead to stroke in particular in younger patients. So having a neurovascular clinic, which is really aimed at building an interdisciplinary team with comprehensive expertise in stroke, as well as neurosurgeon with vascular specialty to care for patients with complex neurovascular conditions that have led to stroke has been a focus of ours for a long period of time. And finally, we were able to achieve this goal. So both neurocardiac and neurovascular and neurosurgical uh, clinic teams work on creating a particular approach, a personalized, individualized care plan tailored to each patient's unique need depending on their condition. As for the stroke prevention clinic, really it's no-brainer how important primary prevention is People are unaware of very simple risk factors that could potentially be prevented, that could uh, help with reducing risk of heart disease and stroke in particular. Also, we see the importance of secondary stroke prevention, i.e. after the event has happened, a lot of patients still have a lack of sufficient information and knowledge about potential risk factors for stroke that could uh, um, 
be prevented by focusing on minute things such as weight reduction, diet, exercise, digging into sleep disruptions, uh, sleep apnea, and so on and so on. I'd like to go through each of these subspecialty clinics and ask you about the ideal candidates for each. Let's start with the stroke cardiology clinic. Who's an ideal candidate? And picking up on what you mentioned earlier, are the services offered in this clinic of particular benefit to young adults? Um, I want to just caution everyone, the audience, about the importance of vascular risk factor in general. So even in younger patients, the same vascular risk factor apply. So young patients, with diabetes are at risk of stroke. Young patients who smoke are uh, at risk of stroke. Young patients with hypertension are at the risk of stroke. So uh, the same risk factor that we see in elderly patients should be prevented and avoided and controlled in younger patients. However, there are certain conditions that are unique to our younger patients that we dig into workup when younger patients present with stroke uh, sign and symptoms if these young patients do not have the common vascular risk factors. So if someone does not have hypertension, diabetes, hypercholesterolemia, does not have a known heart disease or familial risk factors for cardiac conditions, and this young person develops a stroke, it is key to dig into less common causes. This is what we call cryptogenic stroke when we cannot find the stroke. So young patient with stroke of unexplained etiology, what is known as cryptogenic stroke, of course, who have patent foramen ovale identified as an example on an echocardiogram, are the ideal patient for the stroke cardiac clinic. That is because over the years, clinical trials have shown that patent foramen ovale in young patients, again, with unexplained causes of stroke, that appear as if they are cardiac in origin, meaning larger cortical strokes or patients who have had multiple events that appear cortical without an underlying etiology. Patent foramen ovale has been found to be an independent risk factor for stroke, especially in patients who have additional interatrial septal aneurysm, especially in patients who have had a provoked event, whether it's surgery or uh, they have a coagulation disorder. And we have found that closing the patent foramen ovale could potentially reduce the risk of stroke in these patients as compared to medical therapy alone. So these are the typical patients who would benefit from the stroke cardiac clinic. Another group of patients who could uh, potentially benefit from this clinic, and we're seeing a lot of these patients as our community and our population is aging, are patients with atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation is an independent risk factor of stroke, is associated with the most severe cases of stroke. That is the biggest fear that many of us have as we are getting older. Usually, we treat these patients with anticoagulation. However, there are a subset of patients who develop a stroke 
who cannot be anticoagulated because of the increased risk of fall, because of GI bleed, or because they have another type of stroke, which is intracerebral hemorrhage or intraparenchymal hemorrhage. So patients who have blood and that was the cause of the stroke, and they have atrial fibrillation, and these patients cannot be anticoagulated. These patients have options other than medication to help prevent them from having recurrent stroke from the atrial fibrillation. By providing these focused services, can you expand on the benefits for patients being seen in the stroke cardiology clinic? We have seen so many patients who have had uh, stroke-like symptoms that ended up being not stroke-related, who were referred to the cardiology clinic for closure of a patent for Aminovalle, which is present in 25% of the population, and a lot of time it's a bystander that doesn't cause any symptoms. And the cardiologist says, well... It doesn't seem that you have a stroke. You have to go back to your neurologist and find out if you truly had a stroke and we need to close the PFO or so on and so on. Or, or patient truly had a stroke, but the stroke is unrelated. Now, you see patients with minor stroke that are due to vascular risk factors where the risk factors need to be controlled and the PFO, which was found incidentally on imaging, should not be touched because it's not going to make a difference closing the PFO. And you don't want to do a procedure that is unnecessary. So in this particular clinic, again, it's a one-stop visit where patients are evaluated by vascular neurologists, expert in stroke in young adult in particular, who have been found to have a patent for amin ovale. The vascular neurologists review the clinical symptoms, assess the patient, review the imaging, review the blood results, whether uh, they are clotting tests or tests that we do typically for stroke in young adult to determine if the stroke is related to the PFO. Then we review the echocardiogram in particular, the transesophageal echocardiogram, who is a structural cardiologist, to determine if there is truly a PFO or intrapulmonary shunt or whether closing the PFO is useful or not. So the vascular neurologist will guide the cardiologist on whether the stroke is related to PFO or not, and the cardiologist will guide the vascular neurologist to determine if there is truly a PFO present. And if we determine that the stroke is a cryptogenic stroke in younger adults who have a patent foramen ovale on an echocardiogram reviewed by the cardiologist, we determine whether closure is appropriate on that particular visit we review all the necessary blood workup. We monitor patient for any potential cardiac arrhythmias. We review these results on that day. And we schedule the patient for the procedure on the same day. So patient will get their answers whether the 
stroke was due to PFO and whether the echo truly is showing a PFO on the same day. And we finalize the decision of care. With regard to patients with atrial fibrillation who have had the bleed or who cannot be anticoagulated, depending on the type of hemorrhage that we see, for example, someone with a hypertensive bleed, so the bleeding occurred because blood pressure is, has been uncontrolled. A bleed that's deep in the thalamus, putamen, or subcortical structure. With history of atrial fibrillation, that is not a patient who cannot be anticoagulated. That is the patient who should have the blood pressure controlled. And once the hemorrhage subsides, should be resumed on anticoagulation. In fact, we do have an ongoing clinical trial at Rush, which is an NIH-sponsored clinical trial called the SPIRE study, where we're trying to determine in this particular group of patients that I mentioned whether timing of anticoagulation is key, whether anticoagulation within a certain period of time makes a difference in terms of risk reduction of ischemic stroke or whether they have worsening of hemorrhage. So this particular clinic, patients who have had hemorrhage with atrial fibrillation, we determine whether the type of hemorrhage they had going to prevent them from being on anticoagulation down the road. And if this is the case, for example, conditions like cerebral amyloid angiopathy, where patients have recurrent bleed, cortical bleed, and multiple uh, microhemorrhages or cortical siderosis diffusely, these are patients maybe anticoagulation and maybe potentially antiplatelet could be de deleterious and harmful. These are patients who could potentially benefit from uh, intervention with a device such as Watchman or left atrial appendage occlusion devices so that they don't go on uh, anticoagulation, so that we prevent them from having ischemic stroke in the future. How about the stroke neurosurgery subspecialty clinic? Who's an ideal candidate for the services offered in this clinic? Typically, the best candidates for, for this particular clinic are patients who have intracranial arterial disease. And this could be divided into different categories. We have patients who have intracranial arterial stenosis, most commonly due to atherosclerosis, so diabetes, hypertension, uh, smoking, so on. So these are the typical patients for uh, this neurovascular clinic. Although we also see in this particular clinic patients who do have intracranial arterial stenosis due to Arterial pathology that is not atherosclerotic, so arteriosclerosis, but not through atherosclerosis, such as patients with Moya-Moya disease or sickle cell disease who develop Moya-Moya-like syndrome. 
We know that atherosclerotic stenosis of the major intracranial arteries, which we call ICAD, which stands for intracranial atherosclerotic disease, of course, is an important cause of ischemic stroke. Asian patient, black patient, and Hispanic population are more susceptible to have atherosclerotic stenosis of the intracranial arteries. We suspect racial and ethnic differences in lifestyle and likely risk factors such as diabetes and hypertension and potential some genetic uh, uh, association as a cause for ICAD. Management of ICAD is very challenging. And uh, clinical trials have been lacking studying what is the best treatment approach for this condition. Management of ICAD is often veered or directed toward lifestyle modification and controlling the vascular risk factor. However, and of course, with aggressive medical therapy, with uh, statins and antiplatelet agents and so on. However, management of uh, patients with recurrent cerebrovascular event is very, very difficult. While medical therapy may, use, may be useful in stabilizing atherosclerotic plaque, let's say, and reducing risk of stroke, but patients could continue to have symptoms despite aggressive therapy. And here we are at a di uh, dilemma. What else to do for these patients if they are doing everything in their capacity? Exercise, weight reduction, smoking cessation, compliance with medication, and so on. And they do continue to have symptoms. What we're trying to do in this particular clinic is use the advanced perfusion imaging to help guiding us come up with management strategies to determine whether surgical intervention with revascularization is necessary, again, in specific patients with intracranial atherosclerotic disease that remain symptomatic with recurrent symptoms despite aggressive medical therapy, especially in patients with impaired distal flow and unfavorable perfusion. Another subtype of patient, as I stated, are patients with Moya-Moya uh, disease and sickle cell uh, disease with Moya-Moya syndrome. These are patients where medical therapy might not be sufficient. These are patients who require revascularization, especially if they have a recurrent uh, symptomatology with medical therapy only. In our clinic, we have been using state-of-the-art imaging, incorporating CAT scan or MRI imaging with perfusion studies and arterial imaging with transcranial Doppler uh, sonography to determine if intervention before the event, before the stroke happened, if intervention with revascularization is necessary. I'm going to ask the same question as I did just a minute ago. Could you talk about the benefits patients have in being seen in the stroke neurosurgery clinic? Of course. Uh, I will give an example of the neurovascular clinic. Think about this. Uh, a patient who has intracranial atherosclerotic disease, who goes to one physician and the physician puts him on, let's say, uh, one antiplatelet therapy. 
goes to another physician because he had more symptoms and this person gets further imaging and they find out that they have a severe stenosis that's getting progressive and switch to a different antiplatelet therapy or to an anticoagulant. And this uh, patient is getting different opinion from a neurosurgeon, from a neurologist, from a primary care physician. It's very, very difficult for patients with complex medical condition to come up with the best consensus, what's best for them. What we do in this clinic is uh, to offer a one-step visit to a patient with complex medical condition like that, where physicians from various subspecialties, stroke neurologists or, or interventionists, from neurosurgery or neurosurgeon with interest in intracranial atherosclerotic disease, neuroradiologists with expertise in perfusion imaging interpretation, and sonographers with expertise with transcranial Doppler sonography interpretation for uh, any vasomotor reactivity. All of us are together with the patient in one setting evaluating the clinical condition, evaluating the imaging, the sonography results, and determining together what is the best treatment approach to prevent recurrent ischemic stroke in this patient. I think that if I'm a patient, I don't want to be getting different opinion from different physicians. That could be too confusing. I want the one-stop listening to experts, sitting all together and coming up with the best consensus for my care. And that is what we're offering at this clinic to patients. In general, could you speak to the uniqueness of having these subspecialty clinics? Can you elaborate on that uniqueness of having these one-stop shop clinics available for patients? Yes. Uh, so there are several neurocardiac comprehensive care clinics which have been launched over the past several years throughout the nation. These particular clinics do not focus only on structural cardiology or atrial fibrillation. They are trying to, uh, to look at the link between other neurological conditions, such as cognitive impairment, dementia, et cetera, in patients with cardiac disease and uh, white matter changes or uh, silent ischemia or uh, symptomatic ischemia. On imaging. I believe that the structural cardiology clinic is unique in Illinois. I am not aware of such clinic in the area, and I think this is really important to our young patients in particular with patent foramenal valley. And also, as we're expanding to the atrial fibrillation uh, clinic with uh, electrophysiology, cardiology, that offers also a unique twist to patients with intracranial hemorrhage. So uh, with regards to the combined, the comprehensive neurovascular stroke and neurosurgery clinic, in itself, it's very unique, not only in Illinois. I think it's one of the very unique clinics in the nation. We have interest in intracranial uh, athero. We have interest in uh, stroke in young adult. Our uh, partner uh, in neurosurgery, Dr. Stefan Munich, has significant interest in uh, revascularization in appropriate patients who have 
indication for revascularization, especially patients with Moya-Moya disease and sickle cell disease who remain symptomatic despite medical therapy. With our collaboration with him and with our colleague from neurosurgery and the sonology lab at Rush, I think we could offer a very, very special tailored care to a patient with uh, such uh, unfortunate intracranial pathologies. So then the last subspecialty clinic that we talked about in the introduction was the stroke prevention clinic. How does that one work in with the overall stroke care that Rush provides? You know, this is my favorite of all. This is, in my personal opinion, likely the most important of all these clinics. And when we talk about stroke prevention, every neurologist, and every doctor, every neurologist, every stroke neurologist who sees patient with stroke, who sees patient with stroke, offer stroke prevention guidelines. But this clinic is unique, is that it is aimed at assessing patients' stroke risk prior to stroke occurrence. That is important because a lot of patients are not aware, they hear about family member who had a stroke, they hear about the clinic and they want to come and learn more about it. So this clinic evaluates these patients and evaluate the cerebrovascular risk. In addition, in patients who already suffered of stroke symptoms, and I can give you an example in a minute, but the symptoms were either not looked upon seriously or they were brushed off or neglected for whatever reason, in particular in younger patients and in women where stroke symptoms are atypical. That clinic could discover a potential pathology and could help prevent a major event from happening. I can give you an example. We had a young man, very healthy, athletic, who had minor symptoms of transient numbness on one side of his body. I don't recall which side, tell you the truth right now. But this young man did go to the emergency room and he had a CAT scan. And of course, the CAT scan did not show anything because he had transient symptoms and he was told that his symptoms may not be too serious and go and talk to your primary care afterward. This young man just came to see our advanced nurse practitioner in this clinic who initiated stroke workup. Listening to his story, she was able to localize the lesion to a particular area in his homunculus, ordered the appropriate imaging. He was found out to have a stroke which explained his symptoms, even though they were tra transient. He had a patent for him in Ovale. And of course, she referred him to the PFO clinic. And we recommended PFO closure after the workup was completed and after we failed to identify other etiologies for the stroke. But also, we have patients who suffered of a stroke who were educated about the stroke sign on symptoms during hospitalization, who go home and forget what we told them for several reasons. One of them is that because they were overwhelmed, 
Another reason because they had the stroke and they don't remember. And third, because they are older. And setting the appointment with his clinic is very important to re-educate them, re-educate their families about stroke symptoms and sign, risk factor modification, and to provide them exceptional guidance through stroke prevention and through stroke recovery. Before we go, I want to ask you about current research in any of these subspecialty areas. Can you talk about what's happening at Rush? Yes, I think this is really important. We really need to make sure that we involve patients with conditions that do not have best treatment plans in clinical trials. Our clinics are relatively new, and uh, right now we are expanding referral pool. We are uh, trying to uh, recruit patients to these clinics to help educate them about strokes and stroke prevention and to treat for several neurological conditions. But we do know as uh, this num- the number of patients in this clinic increase, we are looking at reviewing the efficacy of interventions such as left appendicular uh, closure, left atrial appendage closure for patients with cerebral amyloid angiopathy and atrial uh, fibrillation to determine safety and tolerability of this procedure in terms of stroke prevention and tolerability overall in patients with not only with CAA, patients with ICH who cannot be on anticoagulation for other conditions. We are also looking to determine if patients with patent foramen ovale truly require the hypercoagulability workup that Academy of Neurology has suggested for us to do before closing a patient, patent foramen ovale in patients with cryptogenic stroke. I can tell you that uh, looking at our data, it is likely that uh, all of these blood tests, which are expensive, do not show any true abnormality in patients with PFO. And we could potentially save patients a lot of time and effort and expenses by uh, showing that ordering uh, such hypercoagulability panel is uh, likely not necessary before PFO closure. At the same time, there are several ongoing clinical trials for intracranial atherosclerotic disease. One of them is called the Captiva trial, looking at uh, two forms of medical therapy with antiplatelet versus anticoagulation. While at this current time, we are not at rush participating in Captiva, we are looking at uh, discussions to determine whether Imaging with perfusion studies that I mentioned earlier could help determine what is the appropriate management in this patient. And I'm hoping that uh, with time, once we collect further data, we will have uh, some uh, information to share. So stay tuned. Well, Dr. Daffer, thank you so much for an enlightening, informative conversation about this wonderful stroke care at Rush. 
Thank you so much, Dan, for your time and uh, for allowing me to speak about uh, all these clinics that we are very excited to have at Rush. 